It's a little hard to follow that. Peace. Am, am I unusual here in my pursuit of peace that uh, I, I really would love to have peace? You know, I, this time of year I have this moment. Um, we do our Christmas and um, Thanksgiving celebrations just a tad bit different as a family. So Thanksgiving, we have our Thanksgiving meal on Wednesday night. And so we have this big, huge, you know, Typical spread, turkey, ham, all that kind of stuff. And then um, everyone spends the night at my house. So I have this uh, incredible opportunity to have uh, my nine grandchildren and their parents uh, all spend the night with me. Some of them, some of them live close by, some of them, uh, you know, exit to their homes a couple blocks away. Um, thinking to serve us, only to really escape the chaos that exists in, in the house. And so, and you can imagine when you get, you know, 20 plus people um, in a home and they're, they're playing and messing around all night long and then finally uh, we get to bed and then we get up in the morning and there's a breakfast and cinnamon rolls and Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and then the, the newspaper, which used to be this thick, is now this thick, um, and the bemoaning of one of my daughter-in-laws that, that Black Friday's not like Black Friday used to be anymore. You know, I started shopping for Black Friday in my bed two weeks before Black Friday. Um, so, but it's just, it's just chaotic. And, and, and then finally they trickle out. And then when the, the last one finally leaves... peaceful. It's like, wow. Now, I'll have to admit that the first couple of years, it was depression because it was Thanksgiving Day, and you're supposed to be getting ready for a Thanksgiving meal, and we started, and we invested in this kind of, of uh, tradition. It was hard to get over, but, but quickly, the chaos helped us get over it because when they all leave, oh, it's so nice. And some of us would call that peace, that, that moment when, when all of our circumstantial stuff around us has gone to nothing. And so there are moments in my life that I pursue circumstantial peace. I want to be at that place. I want to be at that silent night where... You know, you think about those shepherds who were out, you know, washing their socks at night. I mean, wash, watching their flocks. Is that, is that it? I'm, sure, I'm not sure which one it is, but um, they're out in the fields. And, and what would it be? You know, you know what it's like? I mean, for those of us that still go camping, not me, but um, some of you still go camping. Or, you know, you get out in the country, away from the city lights and the buzz and the, all that kind of stuff. And you're under the stars at night. And it's just, there's, it does something to you. It's not just a physical phenomenon. I mean, it, it literally is a spiritual phenomenon. It does something to your soul to be out in that moment. And it's all quiet. And there's no hustle or bustle.
and we breathe deeply. And, and, we, and, and momentarily, while we're in that circumstance, we grab a hold of something we think of as, as peace. It's like, I got it. But if you're like me, it goes away quickly. Maybe your phone buzzes in your pocket <laughs> or on your wrist or something. Or your mind quickly snaps back to reality and you're thinking about that to-do list in your mind. You see, if I'm honest with you, um, I will quell my desire for peace. Even though I want it so badly, I want to find those spaces where peace just settles in my life. I love the Hebrew word for peace. It's shalom. I mean, it's just the Hebrew word for peace, but it sounds cooler, right? I'm just looking for shalom. I'm just looking for this space where, my, where everything around me is ordered. But the fact is, is that because I can't find it, because I can't get it, because I can't grasp it, I can't find, I can't pursue it hard enough, it seems that I use different things. One of my drugs is, is, is purpose. I find things to do. And as long as I'm busy, as long as I'm knocking off things on a to-do list, as long as I'm purposeful in my actions, it quells the pain of the lack of peace in my life. Because I'll tell you a little secret about me. Maybe it's a secret about you, too. And and that secret is, is that even when I find circumstantial peace, when my grandchildren exit, and the world is all quiet, I have circumstantial peace, I have peace around me, but I don't always have peace within me. You see, the antonym for peace, the opposite word for peace, uh, oftentimes, if you look in a dictionary, is conflict. And we think about that in terms of we all want peace, you know, in Eurasia, we want Russia to stop bombing Ukraine, and now we want Ukraine to stop bombing Russia. We want the conflict to end. We want peace. We think about that and in terms of opposite ends of the spectrum. And so for me, even though I have circumstantial peace, even though I can get it quiet around me, everyone can exit my house. I'm an empty nester now, and so I can find spaces where I can just be by myself. I can sit on my deck and enjoy the birds singing to me. I, I can get all that circumstantial peace. There still is a conflict within me. Finding peace with myself is often difficult. Oh, you may not know it. You may not see it. You may be as good as me at hiding it. You know, you, you get involved in doing things and just accomplish things. And as you accomplish things, it quells that pain and that lack of, that lack of peace or that inner conflict that takes place. You know, that inner conflict for me comes from like a life of people speaking into me listening to voices of people who who said things about me. Some people said things evil about me, things that were so discouraging, you'll never amount to anything. You can't spell, you know. You can't this or that. And and as as people said those things about me, they, they, they basically took pieces of me 
from me because I let them. And there are other people that said things into my life that really weren't true. You know, you're the greatest thing since ice cream and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's just a bunch of BS. You're just blowing smoke. You know? And so my conflict really is external. But my conflict is also internal. Because I know things about myself. I know I'm not a peaceful person. You know, um, Friday night, uh, they in transferring a, a prisoner from the Clay County Detention Center, uh, he escaped. And I only live four blocks from the Clay County Detention Center. And so when I hear about this, I long to get in the chase. <laughs> I want to jump in my 1996 RAV4. And beat a trail. And I I had it all in my mind. I was so close, I could probably find him and I could drive up and I would turn my phone on. And I I would have my phone on to 911 and I would tell them, Look, I'm gonna get him in my car and I'm gonna tell you where I'm gonna go. You can intercept me. And and there with lights blazing and all kinds of stuff, and you can throw him out of the car and throw him on the ground, handcuff him, and maybe I'll stand on his neck while you're there, you know. I mean, I am evil inside. Just evil. I didn't have any love for this guy. I have no compassion for what his life was like and why he might have been picked up by a, a state trooper and, and what was going on. I didn't have any, any I, I just all thinking about Roy and what Roy could do to really be cool and, and help capture this guy. I just, I just have a, a, a piece of me that I can't live with that creates internal conflict inside me. I know that I'm not what people think I am. I know that there are things that I don't do that I ought to do. I I have all these things that create this kind of conflict. So even when I get circumstantial peace, even when I get it calm around me, unfortunately, that allows the conflict inside me to be amplified. And so I tend to choose not to get circumstantial peace, but to pursue all kinds of things, all kinds of tasks to stay busy and to stay distracted so that that conflict within me won't rise up. The beauty about the Advent season is God decided to do something about the conflict inside me. You know, we sing these great songs about Jesus and all of these, these words. In fact, many of the songs find their basis in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's a well-quoted probably on a dozen Christmas cards that you've received or you'll send. But it says, For unto us a child is born, to us... A son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called, and this is where we get our series, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So if you're like me, and you've got this cynical side of you, you think, it's great, Jesus, 
You're the Prince of Peace. What does that do for me? How does that help me gain peace? Well, the beauty of it is that Jesus lives his life and gives us an explanation of how becoming a child of the Prince of Peace gives us access to the very thing that he offers. You know, which, which one of us wouldn't want a space in life? A, a space where no matter what we do, no matter what we've done, no matter what we think or we're about to think, no matter what we haven't done, there's a space where someone who knows all about us values us as their child. In full knowledge, nothing hidden from them, we are loved. You see, that's the beauty of this message. It's the beauty of this idea of the Prince of Peace. Jesus comes along to his followers. He's lived with them. He's he's taught them. He's done miracles, all kinds of stuff. Those four Books in the second half of the Bible that started off, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are stories about Jesus' life. And he gets to the end of that, and he, he shares with his disciples. He says, look, he says, you've heard me say, I'm going away. So Jesus physically came, and, and he left. He says, and I'm coming back. He's not leaving them. He's not abandoning them. He said, you heard me say I'm going away, but I'm I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it happens, you will trust what I'm saying. All right? You will trust what I'm saying. So let's back up in the passage. He's telling them so that they will, they will live as if what he's saying is true. Here's what he says. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the friend, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of Everything I've told you, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. Jesus gave us peace. And I won't read what I read first Again, because it follows that, but it's this idea that Jesus has made peace between us and our Creator, between us and the Father. He's now Father, not just Creator. We've moved from just having a a Creator-creature relationship, but a Father-child relationship because we've embraced the fact that we understand the conflict within us. We can't do anything about it. And so Jesus comes as a child, lives as an adult, dies as a man, and then is resurrected and goes to heaven. For the fact that we have the chance 
to experience the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace in our lives. That's what Jesus brings. That, that's what he offers. And he tells them, he says, I'm, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving this with you. This is yours. Yours to have, yours to keep, yours to be a part of. But the problem is, is, is that this idea, when Isaiah adds the words prince of peace, it sort of denotes a space, right? Um, I, I'm sure that none of you think of, of, of yourselves this way, but uh, if you were the prince of princess of something, you know, it's like you, you own something. You, you have a space in which you, you are rock solid. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, it's music. You, you are a, just a, an incredible uh, encyclopedia of, of music. And so a song comes on the radio immediately. You know it. You know the words. You know the... You know who the guitar player was in the band, all that kind of stuff, you know? Or, or maybe it's cooking, and, and, and it's like, you know, you, you are genius like my wife in cooking shows. You know, I mean, she watches every cooking show imaginable, and, and it's, it's just amazing to me. I'm sitting there going, um, what is that? And, and some ingredient that they're talking on the show like everyone should know, and I've never heard of it. You know, and I feel stupid. You know, it's like... Does it taste good? I'm, I'm good if it tastes good, but, you know. But, but you own something. You know, you own something. And, and, and that space, people think of you as royalty. Well, this, is, this idea that Isaiah adds to the prince of peace is that Jesus, he owns something. He's the prince of peace. It's, it's not peace that the world has, obviously, and so there's a circle here. He says, I give you a different peace. And so within this circle is this idea of peace. I think it's clearer when you look at a passage in John. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, because Jesus is early on identified as not only a human being, but as God who came in the flesh. But in John 1, 12, Jesus, it says this about Jesus. He says, yet to all who receive him, to all who gave hospitality in his life, to all who receive him, he gave the right, the privilege, the authority to be children of God. See, that's the circle he's talking about. That's the circle of peace. What it's like to be cherished and loved. What it's like to be, have someone look at you and fully know better than you yourself how desperately bad you really are. And yet, be fully loved by that person. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never experienced that from another human being. I had a good mother and father. Uh, I've had lots of really good friends. I have a wonderful wife. Great kids, wonderful grandkids, but I've, I've never experienced from another human being, someone who knows me better than I know myself, who knows both the good and the bad, and yet says, you're welcome on my family. 
I want you to be my child. When the Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace, he, he calls him that because he offers a life connected to a sense of well-being. Uh, there's a, a, a really good spiritual writer, uh, a guy who I, I love a lot. His name is uh, Dallas Willard, and Dallas uh, wrote a lot of stuff, and uh, you, you, would, um, you would be well served by reading anything and everything he's written. Um, but he says this about peace. He says, you know, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is a rest of will that comes from divine assurance about how things will turn out. A rest of will. Why does he use the word will? Because when, when we uh, put you on a table and, and, and we're going to pull you apart piece by piece, spiritually speaking, of course, we're, we're going to draw some circles, all right? And they're going to use some words. We're going to look like, like uh, spirit and soul and heart and will. And, you know, we're going to use all kinds of words. But as, as, as we move from the bigger circles to the inner core circle, what is, what is you? It really is your will. It makes up your heart. It makes up your soul. It, it's, it's what makes you human. You have the ability to choose. You can walk out of here and you can eat a salad for lunch or a Big Mac. Whatever you want. Fully knowing what that will do to your heart and your vascular system and your blood chemistry and all that. You, you can do what you want. You are a free moral agent. And at the core of who you are is your will. And so when John says of Jesus, to as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. It's this idea of you and I have the opportunity to choose. We can choose a kingdom of self, there's really three kingdoms in the world that we can choose from. There's a kingdom of Satan. And, and most of us would like to think, I'm, that's not me. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't want that one. But there's one just as evil, the kingdom of self. And where we presume to be God, even though we wouldn't say it that way. But, you know, we, we kind of think about ourselves. And, and we make our own choices. And it's based on mainly our feelings. What makes us feel good? And then there's a third kingdom, the kingdom of God, where the Prince of Peace rules, where the Prince of Peace offers the gifts and the rights and the privileges of being in the kingdom. And that's peace. That's a sense of a settledness that can trust that God will cause things to turn out for our good despite our circumstances. And so this opportunity for you and I to come to grips with the fact that peace, the prince of peace, 
is not something we take as a pill and it causes circumstantial peace so everything around us quells, but it's something we take as a relationship. And we begin to feel the prince's impact on us. But my fear is, if I could start taking this to the, to the, the street right now, my fear is, is that most of us live so fast, we miss the real, genuine, spiritual traction that God offers in our life. We take a daily Bible verse on our phone. Maybe we listen to a spiritual radio station. Maybe we, we, we do something spiritual during the week, but, but it's always on the move, always on the go. It was Blaise Pascal, a famous scientist and follower of Jesus, who said that the world's ills could be solved if humans could spend 30 minutes alone in silence in their bedrooms. I wonder... When was the last time you spent any time silent, purposefully silent, intentionally silent, just contemplating the spiritual? What would it look like? Instead of read a bunch of verses in the Bible, Instead of listening to a bunch of spiritual stuff, just to stop and just to, to ponder God's words. Paul, as he ends his letter to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice. I hate it when people say that, you know, or be blessed or whatever, you know, it's like, I don't know what the heck that means, you know. But he says it twice. <laughs> Paul's speaking for God here, so I'm listening. Okay, Father. I don't feel like rejoicing. Why not? because I'm always pursuing circumstantial peace. I'm always wrestling with the fact that I can make peace come into my life. I struggle, Father. I struggle to accept this command. Not just obey it, not just, I struggle to accept it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I have a small gentle side. Not a big gentle side. And, and Paul is offering that, that that might be the goodness in me. That that, that gentleness that I I do feel that empathy I have for other people at times might be the best part of me. 
And so he says, let it, let it be evident to all. The Lord is near. And if the Bible is true, God is everywhere. He's here. Nothing, nothing escapes his understanding or knowledge. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And, and, and really, it, the, the idea here, if you mess around in some other versions, one of the reasons I love using something like Bible Gateway on my phone is I'll, I'll go to another version and read it again. And it says, stop, not don't. <laughs> He's not saying, hey, I know you're not being anxious, so don't start. He's actually saying, stop it. Stop being anxious. Stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in the king and his prince who gives peace. Do not be anxious or stop being anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Dallas Willard in his book, Divine Conspiracy, if you want a book to blow your mind, try to read that. It took me 18 months to get through it. It's, it but it's, it's so practical and so, so rich, and I, I would love to engage, for us to engage that. It's, but he says something about praise. He says, prayer's request. It says, standing before God and like, Father, you sent the Prince of Peace. I need peace. Help me stop being anxious. Help me stop trusting in myself. Help me stop pretending I'm God and I can do something about stuff by worrying about it. Help me quit wasting eternity by worrying about what's going to happen and start trusting that you and you alone have my best interest in mind. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. And the peace, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. You see, when Jesus comes at this time of year, he comes not as a label on a bottle, but he comes as, as a relationship to be experienced. He comes to be the Prince of Peace, to draw you into that kingdom of peace, that opportunity to understand that there is a place in this world where you are cherished. Despite what you know about yourself and what he completely knows about you. But oftentimes, our hurried lives, we don't stop. We don't ponder that. We don't read the Bible slowly. We don't let it seep down. We don't make it a conversation with our Father in heaven. We don't make it relational. It's transactional. I'm looking for a little 
dose of the ghost in the midst of my little daily struggle rather than a settled sense that I'm, I'm in the midst of turmoil, but I'm right where God wants me. And in the midst of this turmoil, I can have peace. You know, when I find myself in the midst of that turmoil, the, the story in the Bible that I go to most often is the story in the Sea of Galilee. Back in the 80s, Candy and I had a chance to travel to the Sea of Galilee, and, and we had a storm come up really unexpectedly. We were on a much bigger boat than they were on, but this boat was being tossed like crazy. The tables they had set up, the, everything, the punch bowl, everything was sloshing, hitting the ground, crashing. It was, it was a nightmare of, of a moment, you know, and I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. Uh, I remember, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there's a moment in the disciples' life when they were in a boat, and it seemed to them that more water was in the boat than the boat was in the water, and they were about to drown. They were about to sink, and Jesus was asleep. Now, being asleep doesn't mean you're always at peace. We have an epidemic of sleeplessness in our world, and and, and many of us struggle to, to find good rest and good sleep. So just being asleep doesn't mean we're at peace. But I just think that Jesus was at peace in the midst of the storm. And they had to wake him up. And they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die. It's interesting. They impugned his motives. It's what you and I do with God when we attempt to live in the kingdom of self. And it's like, I know God's not going to do anything about this, so I better do something about it. So what do I need to do? I'll worry. Well, that does something about it, right? I mean, that really is, that changes things. You know, I love all those bumper stickers. Worry changes things. You know, haven't seen one of those lately. I, I, but God is concerned. Jesus was concerned. He wasn't, he wasn't going to let them die. But they thought he was. And he comes up and he calms the storm. Not a problem for him. You see, the Prince of Peace wants to give us his peace. He wants us to live in his peace. The problem is, is the kingdom we choose to live in. The kingdom of self or the kingdom of Jesus. That's where the the activation of peace takes place. When I open my heart to him, I let him know what's on my heart. When I find those quiet moments to build this kind of mystical relationship with the, someone I can't touch and see and feel, and all of a sudden the spiritual becomes real. And I begin to see things happen to me. I begin to see my body literally change as a result of leaning into who Jesus is. Not just, a, not just someone who, who died on a cross or rose again from the dead, but someone who relates to me as a person and wants to offer me peace, the ability to live as if God is in control. Let's pray.
Father, I just wish I could live the words I say. It is, it is difficult to live in a world so messed up, so full of conflict, a world that's uh, seemingly unsavable, and to find hope and peace and meaning and love and all those things that you promise. So, Father, I pray that you would give us the discipline of discovering you, the discipline of slowing down and the discipline of silence, the discipline of contemplation, just the ability to to read a verse or two from the Bible over and over and over, even if it's in different translations, and to ponder what it means. Father, we are guilty of skimming in life. And therefore we miss the depths. So we ask, Give us the courage to go deep, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.